Hey there, Kansas City. Stephen St. John here, the host of Hot Mike with SSJ. And I remind you that you should uh, subscribe and like on YouTube and download the podcast wherever you download your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. And so now it's time for another episode of Hot Mike with SSJ. And uh, we're going to talk a little music for this episode. No, uh, no duck, duck, go with Jake. Uh, so we'll have to wait uh, at least a couple of more episodes for that. But uh, we have a couple of uh, a couple of local musicians in studio with us to talk about an upcoming show that's presented by Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, let's start. Uh, what, uh, state your uh, your name and your rank and your affiliation. Tell people who you are, sir. I'm Mike Bransfield, uh, also known as Sumo from the band Dola White, uh, Capricorn. No, what, that's not true. What, what, a, what, a, what a raspy fucking voice you have. Man, I, it was, uh, we, in the business, we call it Fleet Week. I had yeah. a busy weekend. Yeah. No, so, I, I, coming off a little cold. That's all right, though. You're here, and you're ready to talk about uh, music with us. And uh, here to my left is a young man by the name of, well, what's your name? Just state your, uh, your wonderful name, please. My name is Richie St. John. Don't try to make your voice deeper than it really is. <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, my name is Richie yeah, St. John. You have to make oh. a switch for the radio. It's right. Vegas. So and uh, and uh, what uh, what do you do, sir? Uh, I currently play guitar and sing in the band The Accidental Moguls. Right, who's going to be opening up for Dola White for this show? Uh, and you're also my son. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. How long have you been my son? About twenty four years, wow. almost twenty five. Unbelievable. Uh, and so uh, Sumo, would you rather be called Sumo or Mike on this podcast? Uh, no, Cecilia's preferred. Okay, but Cecilia's fun. I mean, Cecilia. <laughs> uh, so let's let's start with the show. Okay, we'll mention this a couple of times. Coming up the night before Thanksgiving, which is traditionally a fun night to go out and have some fun, uh, we're doing a Sports Radio 810 Presents concert at the Uptown Theater, which is just a fabulous venue to go see live music. I'm trying to think some of the best concerts I've been to. Maybe the best one that we've attended together was when we saw Tenacious D. Absolutely. At the would, that be, would that be number one? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, think so. They never disappoint anyway. Right. Tenacious D was fantastic at the Uptown, but I've seen many, many shows there that were terrific, and I'm so excited to see my good friend Sumo and my son Richie playing at the Uptown. Uh, Sumo, you ever played at the Uptown? No, I've never played there. I've uh, I've seen lots of shows there. I slept through a lot of shows there. Right. <laughs> but uh no man we're completely stoked for it this is probably one of the it's it, it is the biggest thing we've tried to pull off in our 15 years of showing our ass in front of people right so it, so if you're a local musician certainly this is on the bucket list yeah this is a this is a, a dream kind of gig this is definitely one to look forward to okay so to give people the particulars like i said it's the night before thanksgiving our friends at cbd american shaman are uh, helping us uh, bring this to you on the night before Thanksgiving. And so tell people if they want to come out and uh, be a part of the show, Dola White shows are always interactive. They're so much fun. And, of course, you've got an opening act as well in the Accidental Moguls. How can people get involved? Man, yeah, we just need to see people with, uh, you know, loose morals and comfortable shoes. We're going to have fun. <laughs> right. With, we've played this night, you know, for years, and it's always just been a fun night. It's usually a good t- chunk chance for the people that you know leave town they come home they get together it's kind of reunion of sorts and uh this will be the first time we're doing it down here uh and we're looking forward to it but yeah i mean the, the doors are at seven uh, i think you guys are going to take the stage at eight if i'm not mistaken I think that's about the time yeah and then we're going to go on probably about nine and the show should wrap about 11 30 mm-hmm. so it's not going to be a late night so no one has to really worry about being a trip to fan zombie the next day right. you know around the the straits 
But you can but, buy tickets now. Yeah, Ticketmaster, you can buy tickets now. Uh, pre-sell them. They're going to be a little cheaper if you buy them in advance. I think they go up uh, five bucks each. There's a GA floor ticket that's basically just go nuts. That's, I think it's 15 bucks, And then 20 you can get up in the balcony. The balcony's a VIP. you got a chance to sit down if you want. And they've got a different bar up there, so you yeah. can cut, cut your line time. Right. Uh, shorter lines and a good view in the VIPs. So you can buy those tickets at Ticketmaster. And then, uh, of course, if you don't get a chance to buy tickets, if you're like my dad and you still haven't figured out the ways of a debit card, uh, then you could just show up and buy tickets at the door, right? Yeah, Pony Express. Uh, <laughs> we'll send a Raven, an Abacus, whatever you need. Right. Yeah. I my dad, why don't you have a debit card? Why, why do I need one? Like, okay, I'm done with this conversation. Oh. Uh, so let's you, – you mentioned – that this has uh, been a, a traditionally a, a night that you do the show, yeah. a big show, the night before Thanksgiving. Let's go back to the origin story of Dola White. Uh, you, you usually have done this show up in St. Joe. You guys are originally a St. Joe band. Right. So take me back to the beginning of Dola White. How did this all happen? How did this idea come about? How long have you guys been together? Give us everything we need to know. Well, we were, uh, the majority of us were all in a band together in our teenage years back in the 90s it was uh it was called planet b and it was like a funk hip-hop thing planet b planet b uh it was good i mean it, it had some successes we had you know we didn't really get on tour or anything but we had a big following around here and we got to play uh we played a lot of shows down in kc with the, the band billy goat you remember billy goat right those were uh some nutty fucking times <laughs> I, I remember uh after we played i was completely drenched in sweat i was wearing like dicky pants which you know are breathable as fuck right. <laughs> <laughs> and a black t-shirt and i'm sitting there in the front row and there's a they used to throw shit at their shows they throw out like ramen noodles and flour and shit <laughs> and i was sitting there right in the front row and the dancer had the flower bag open she's getting ready to launch it over the crowd and she dropped it and it landed right on my big <laughs> fat fucking ass <laughs> And nice I, and sweaty. Dude, I turned into a fucking biscuit. It was just fucking sweat and flour. I'm sitting there like, this is how I get laid tonight. Right. You know? I'm looking like a fucking uncooked dumpling. Uh, with tremendous filling. Yes. I, I, yeah. Uh, and, and so how old were you when you... 18. But, but when, when you started, like, when you first became uh, a musician or started to become a 18 musician. years old. I had no inkling that I had anything in me musically whatsoever. I never even was in, like, choir at school. So then why? What what, what, what happened? Uh, girls. Right? <laughs> uh, no, I mean. The greatest motivator. Uh, yeah. I mean, the radio was always my favorite toy. It was my favorite thing I played with in the bedroom as a kid. I had a little, you know, handheld tape recorder. Yeah. Van Halen and shit. And I loved music, but I just never thought it was for me. I just thought I was a fan. And I want to say it was... Uh, it was the summer I turned 18. I just moved out, and I was going to a concert with some friends, and I was singing along in the car. And one of these kids was in a band with another friend of mine that was a singer that was split in town. He was moving to Seattle. And the guy reached out to me. He's like, hey, we heard you singing in the car. I want you to come try out for the band. And I'm like, get fucked. Oh, no shit. I'm like, you're, you're high. It ain't going to happen. No way. It's was like, he, in fact, high? No. Okay, well, just, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, legitimate question. Yeah, no, you, true. Right. You're, you're, you're searching for facts. I, I admire that. No, he wasn't high, and he he asked me, and I'm like, no, fuck yourself, it's not gonna happen. And my and girlfriend at the time was like, you know what's happening? And I'm like, shit. So I got a little pressure from the friends, and everybody talked me into doing it. So I went down to this house and uh, tried out, sang a couple songs that you know I I happened to know the words to, some covers and shit, like Alice in Chains song or something. And they've hired me, so I was in this damn band. I think we played our first show like eight days later. 
I had all the lyrics on like a big cheap fucking tablet. So that, were you going to be the lead singer? Yeah, I was a lead singer. Just like that. Yeah, it was fucked. It was totally fucked. No reason that should have worked at all. <laughs> so like, do you remember like the first show? How many? Like, yeah, how many first songs did show. you have to fucking do? Then? I don't remember that, but I remember it was eight days after I joined the band. It was a lot of shit though. Yeah, and it was in this fucking basement of this uh, skeezy church. Because we were all kids, so it's not like we do shows at a bar. Right. Uh, a bunch of local bands threw on this. Uh, it was probably something like local Palooza, because back then you couldn't use Palooza yeah. enough. Right. St. <laughs> uh, Joe Palooza. Yeah, fucking <laughs> RB Palooza. We got three. <laughs> so I go down, and I'm, I'm scared shitless. And like I said, I've got this little fucking notepad with all my lyrics on there. And it was almost like, uh, you know, like remember the story of the doors? You did that first show, like facing away from the crowd? Sure. I fucking felt it. I was like, man, I was shitting bricks. And, you know, the, there was tens of people there, so it was fucking, you know, my my moment. Like, did you know most of them? Were they no, I so didn't. Did, I knew okay. I knew quite a few, but this was, you know, you know, baptism by fire. It was me also meeting a bunch of this scene that I had no idea existed. I didn't know there was that much music in St. Joe. Right. And there's a lot. I mean, St. Joe, you can fight, fucking pray. That's it. So, or learn how to play music. Right. That's one hell of a Saturday night, by the way. <laughs> when I used to attend Missouri Western State University, that was a great Saturday we night. We do all three. Right? Absolutely. But, I mean, there wasn't a lot for the youth of St. Joe to do, so a lot of them got together and formed bands and, and you know, woodshed it up and got real good at their, their craft. There's a lot of really good players up there, and there's a long line of it. I had no idea. I was completely ignorant to it, but here I am. I find myself in this, uh, this new society, and that show went good. We had another few shows. That went good. That band, I think we recorded, like, two records, uh, not records, tapes. And put them out. It was. It was. You know, had some little successes, some wins. It wasn't. It wasn't bad by any stretch. But then. Uh, and this was Planet B. No, this what, was another band what called was this? Ball. It was like a grungy, B A W L. We were edgy. Ball. Fucking ball. I like. <laughs> yeah. And it was. I mean, it was me learning what to do and not to do. I mean, it was. It was good. They're good players. Uh, my songwriting was. A little dodgy at best. <laughs> you still you still talk to any of the yeah. guys from Ball? I talked to a few of them. We even uh, we got together in some different iterations, you know, and played here or there. Uh, but yeah, that one was the first. And then I had these other friends that. Uh, well, no, the Ball thing I had these friends that ended up being uh, the bass player for Dola White and the DJ for Dola White. They wanted to come and do a, a rap song with us, so we learned the music to this rap song. They came and performed it, and that when I was like. This has got the energy. This feels good. You know, I, was, I wasn't I was a big rap guy, but that energy, doing that live, it felt cool. So when did you start playing drums? Uh, not until I was 30. Oh, so this was, you were just. Yeah, I was just a singer. I didn't play any instruments. That's crazy. So I became uh, one of three singers for Planet B. It was a three vocalist lineup, uh, same guitar player and bass player as Dola White. And it was me and the, the DJ vocalist from Dola White. And then uh, we had a different drummer. And then well, that went for uh, two or three years. It went good. And then I, it kind of broke off. I don't remember exactly how it kind of split. I think uh, the DJ moved down here first. He moved to Kansas City and was working, so it was less frequent for him to be available for practice and gigs. And what year are we talking about? 96. In, okay. 97, maybe. And then I took a job down here. I got on the radio station. Uh, Which radio station? It was 107.3 The X. I was neighbors to the old, you know, your old KCTE building. Right. When which, we were Sports Radio 1510, we shared a building in Independence off 27th and Sterling. It was and, fucking on Rock Block, man. It was in right. the hood. Uh, yeah, was, some nasty shit went down in that building for me, man. Yes. Well, we're going to get to that. Okay. So, so we'll pause. So that's like 1996. Young man yeah, was seven. born, right? And so oh, different shit. paths. So take me. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah. That'll make you feel young. Christmas Day in 1996. And so f from your recollection, 
Richie, when did you first start, uh, when did your interest in music start? Well, just my interest in music in general, I mean, probably was always there. I mean, I grew up with, you know, you playing all your favorite music from Elvis, Guns N' Roses, etc. So I was always around it, and you would always profess your love and passion about music and how much things meant to you. And see, people would ask me, does he get uh, his musical talent from, from you? They'd I, no. But you got your love of music from me. Absolutely. And your grandmother and your mom and me, we would always, and, we, you know, m Grandma loved Elvis, right? Oh, yeah. So you knew you, you were going to listen to a lot of Elvis. Guns and Roses, you know, on down the line, White Stripes eventually. And so I kind of, what I've always really liked about you and your brother and everything, and then nothing wrong with current music, whatever, but you I, you were especially an old soul. You like the music I like. Mm -hmm. You like to listen to Elvis. You like to listen to Sinatra. You like to listen. I remember when you graduated from high school to your presence where we went to see Neil Diamond and then Billy Joel. Guys, that we just, you know. <laughs> Fuck Billy Joel. Right. Oh, wow. Hold on uh, here. We, we hold can on. tell that story later. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> a lot of venom in that. But the point is, he, you know, you, you like the music that, uh, 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 that someone my age would be. So we were able to share those things. And so from what I remember, so then you started in piano lessons at St. Gabe's in, was it third grade? Yeah, I believe it was. So uh, my mom, your grandmother, who passed away in 2006, she got you signed up in, in piano lessons, right? And we'd go to these recitals at your teacher's house and little churches and stuff. And he was good, but I could start to tell he, he wasn't liking it. And it was weird. He was, he was being forced to do this gotcha. and playing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And my mom would always pull me aside and say, whatever you do, don't let him quit music because he's got a talent for it. I can tell. He's, you know, and I said, okay, mom, all right, I won't. I, I promise that. But then when, you know, she passes away and you're nine years old, I, I, I kind of, you know, stick to my guns. Like, hey, she wanted me to make you stick with music and let's stick with music. And you didn't want to stick with music, or at least the piano, the music you were playing. And we, he used to play basketball uh, at, at, at the Pack Center in Parkville off Nine Highway. And we'd always pass School of Rock over there. And we'd always wonder, I wonder what that's all about. I want, you know, maybe we should check that out. And, uh, and so I remember we go in there, me and your mom and you, and they give us a tour. And they say, hey, you know, he'll play Guns N' Roses, he'll play Metallica, this, that. And your eyes just light. His eyes, my eyes lit up. Your eyes lit up. And then they showed us the tuition, and then my then I then my eyes closed, and, <laughs> Parker, I, and I shit my pants. Yes. Uh, but but I, I I pulled his mom aside. We leave, and we say, you know, and I, I was I was just kind of finding my way in my career. Then wasn't making a whole lot of money, and I told her I said, w we we got to do this, and we'll make it work. We'll figure out a way to make it work. This it's financially, this doesn't make sense to us, but I see that he he wants to do this, and I think this could be a big moment for him as a kid. We're going to fucking make this happen. And so from there, right, you go to School of Rock. How did that change you uh, as far as your appreciate, appreciation for music and wanting to be a musician? Well, the appreciation was always there, right? right? I think that all started uh, when you dressed me up as Elvis when I was like, what, a one-year-old? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he had the karate suit and the scarf. Mm -hmm. this, little brutal the wig, little, 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 like, little, little sideburns or whatever. You know, that's great. It probably He was probably tormented by it. But, oh, well, yeah, you know, he carried around this little Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Come dance, dance for the people, Richie. Right, that's exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. And we got pictures. I'll pull them out. Oh, I know you right. do. So, but so you're, you're, you're there and you start to develop. And that time, it was you were just piano mm-hmm. and just keyboard. And But that allowed you to perform on stage, like in front of people and nightclubs and stuff, where they had things would be set up at School of Rock. And so you, you, kids could be there and perform for the parents. And it was a really cool thing that, you know, some kids and you and for people not spoiler, he's a teacher now at School of Rock. Some kids take to the stage or some kids, you know, like, hey, this ain't for them. And that's fine. It's not for everybody. But you right off the bat were very comfortable on stage and comfortable performing. Right. So I um, sort of the timeline here is like you said, with my piano lessons, I started to get tired of them. Right. At first, it was this new and really interesting thing. And I was excited for it. But it was just you know, workbooks and exercise sheets and just that boring classical stuff over and over, which nothing wrong with classical music, but I wasn't even doing that. It was just exercise and exercises. Hot cross buns. Yeah, just hot cross buns, which was a fine song. Just over and over, day in, day out, just, you know. (laughs) Um, But there towards the end, if you remember from my last recital, um, I didn't want to do anything like that. I begged my teacher to let me do Bohemian Rhapsody on the piano. If you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So I begged her to do it, and she let me by some miracle. And then, you know, I learned most of that and, and you know, got to perform it. And how and, old were you, like, at that point? I mean, you, I mean, that's, he was young enough to all the she was like, we got something here. What's going yeah. on? And that's not, that's not normal. And you would not, you didn't have to read music. You would just listen to something and you could play it. Right. I, I was, uh, bad shit crazy. A me. lot of times I was more comfortable hearing it than I was reading it. Right. You know, because, I mean, reading is a whole thing that you have to learn. But, you know, I could just say, oh, this sound sounds like that sound. Done. And right. I figured it out. <laughs> right. And it would just irritate me. I, I mean, not irritate, but I, I can't play shit. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing I can do. And he would just listen. Like, oh, okay. I go, yeah. The, the, uh, but... After that, you know, I was like, okay, this is the type of music I definitely want to play. And, and when that happened, because I don't know how much time I actually took off from music, but that had to be in sixth or seventh grade because I joined School of Rock in eighth grade. Right. There was a little bit. Right. Just a know. small right. gap. But, you know, I went in there and like you said, they said I was going to be playing all this music that I actually liked, that I was actually motivated to want to try and learn and to play. And on top of that, I was going to be playing live and sort of living out that rock star dream that everyone has. But... uh it, you know, it was done from there, you know, as soon as I stepped in, I feel like. And ultimately, he, you know, he auditioned for house band and played in house band, had a chance to travel around everywhere from Chillicothe down to Dallas, which is a pretty wide range. Right? Hey, Mitch probably won't mention Chillicothe and Dallas in the same sentence in any future podcast. But it, <laughs> that's what I mean. And, and it was he took to it. It's, it's always I always say Richie's known what he's wanted to do since he's in seventh or eighth grade, which is which is. A gift, right? Right. Most of us can't figure shit out until we're twenty-five or thirty. Forty-five. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're so so that gets you to School of Rock, and then you you do so well at School of Rock. Then as soon as you graduate, which at eighteen years old you're done it's, as a student, they ask you to be a teacher. Where you still are a teacher. Now let's go back to you because I find this fascinating. So you're singing, right? Yeah. And you're not playing any instruments. So no. how does how does it come up that you're thirty years old? Because I've always thought. Man, to, to be able to learn an instrument, you got to do it when you're a kid. It's just too difficult when you're an adult because that's why I wanted to go back and try to learn. It's like, there's no way I could do it, but maybe I should. But you're 30 years old. What, what makes you think that you want to start playing the drums? I always wanted to play the drums. I, they fascinated me. I used to lay out pillows on my floor when I was a kid and, you know, bash the shit out of Rocket Queen or whatever. I, was gonna say, yeah. I used to lay out pillows on the floor and do something much different. We the won't cou- talk about it on the podcast, the, but go ahead. The Mike. couch bounce. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, hey, uh, right. Yeah, yeah no, I, here. drums is always something I wanted to do. Uh, there was that whole getting your limbs to do independent shit of each other. It was always the kind of the hurdle. But after band practices, I'd be like, all right, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to bash around for a little bit. And I just kind of tinker until I kind of got the grips on it. But it was never really something that I did. I think by the time Planet B came around, I was playing bass on a couple of songs. So the bass player could sing. And then I was uh, I played drums on one song. But did anyone teach you to play bass or drums? Or are you just doing this all no, on your own? No, just toying with it until I figured it out. So yeah. That's fucking wild. It's there's only four strings. It's not that big a deal. Bass is cake. See, I love like musicians I'm say kidding. that like I'm yeah, kidding. but it was like bass and drums. Like just you do this, but to me there's you have there's a gift that you have that others don't because it's just not that easy. I, I don't know if I'd call it a gift, but yeah, I mean there's certain proclivities people got for shit that others don't i get that but yeah kind of like him it was just i'd have to just fuck around with it until it started making sense and the noises came out the way i wanted them to basically what mike is saying any asshole can play the bass is yes. that right okay bass, that's what i want uh, to make sure to... there's a reason right. there's there's a reason no band has had two of them no i'm kidding a lot of bands have had two right. but uh yeah just kind of messing around with it and then uh after planet b kind of dissolved i came down here i'd lived down here full time and i was uh i was at the radio for a couple years and then that station flipped formats we all got fired and then i took a job at the hurricane i worked at the hurricane down in westport which oh was the rock and roll heartbeat of this fucking right. city so i was down there just getting crash courses what year uh, was that when you were at the hurricane 99 207 so what what are some of the give me some of the bands or some of the musicians that you saw at the hurricane that, that really stick out to you dude uh, well Biohazard played there one night. I thought I was right. going to die. It was the loudest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> I was a bouncer that night. That uh, seemed like a great experience that you thought you were going to die. Dude, they brought so this. much shit. It was so loud. Uh, we threw out Joe Elliott from Def Leppard for pulling ladies' titties out over and over. Well, we warned them, though. We're like, hey, man, you can't do that to your mom or whatever. You, you warned them, so that's, you know. Yeah. Uh, we the, the brothers from Pantera used to come in all the time and just hang out, like, on a Monday. Uh, it's fucking nuts. That place was crazy. Uh, what's his nuts? The dickhead from... Oh. Alexi Lawless had oh. a band. Oh wow! Remember that? T- oh sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh absolutely. He came in there thinking he was fucking Matchbox Thirty. That motherfucker <laughs> thought he was. <laughs> he thought he was. He was swinging, man. Yeah. And we all just politely let him have the night. But no, man, I saw so many great bands and so many great players, and you know, there's so much talent that goes just unseen. You get these bands that roll in on a tour on a Tuesday night from right. fucking Michigan or Minnesota. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, how, are they, how are they not Yeah, stars, and then you, right? yeah, you got some shit on the radio that you're like, good Christ. And then you see this on a Tuesday night for, in front of eight people, and you're like, there's no justice in the world whatsoever. And so this time, were you playing? While you were uh, no, I was, was kind of out. I okay. did. I'll take it back. I did start playing drums back then. There was a buddy of mine that worked there that had a punk rock band. And I started playing bass for him, and then his drummer quit. And then just to practice, I got back there and started fucking with the drums. So we could keep up going while we were looking for a replacement. Like at that point, how good were you? Were you good enough to where you felt uh, like you could be a drummer? Rock, or just... you see, we got to throw a disclaimer that while I played drums, I played drums in a rap band and a punk band. So those aren't. It wasn't you know rush. Right. So I'm not like the, <laughs> I'm not like the upper crust here on the talent spectrum. Okay. But uh, yeah, I did this punk rock thing for him. Uh, it ended up being easier for me just to stick with the drums, and then his old bass player came back around. And he, they were a perfect fit. He was way better than I was. So. I did that band for, I don't, I don't even think that one was a year. And then they moved to Phoenix and they got signed out there, but I couldn't do it. I just met my wife and I was kind of enamored with that lady. So I stayed. So was, uh, so when you met your wife, was she on board? She was a fucking bass player. Oh, so no, okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
So like, because you know that's because that's 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 a big part of it. Well, if yeah, you're, if who you're with is supporting this or or, or not, that's the problem. Is I wasn't playing when when we first started dating. I was just a DJ, <laughs> just nightclub just DJ, a fucking radio guy. These, no, no, clubs. These pieces of shit. I'm sorry. Bro. I was the DJ in the nightclub. So now you're hurricane. a DJ. So you're a DJ now. Yeah, I went from being the doorman. I found out what the DJs were getting paid. So I'm like. Fucking, I'm gonna learn how you to do fucking that. Fucking done it all. So, what was yeah. your DJ name? Sumo. This DJ, yeah. okay, DJ Sumo. All right. I was at the Hurricane DJ in uh, Westport for four or five years, but that's what I was when we started dating, for the most part. Uh, well, no, that was my only gig. And then I want to say we were together about three years, and a buddy of mine who was a touring drum tech. He's the reason I was sleeping through so many Uptown shows. He was on tour with 311 for like seven years. So oh, anytime boy. they'd come to town, he'd be like, "Hey, I'm in town. I'm gonna put you on the will call. Come hang out." After the show, we'll get on the bus and have some beers. I'm like, cool. I go up, sit in the very top of the Uptown Theater and sleep through the damn show. Because I've seen it like nine, <laughs> nine, nine, ten times. Right. And we'd hang out, and we always talked about, you know, he was a drummer, and we should try to do something. We just love the same kind of music. So I was like, yeah. And he came back home. He's like, I'm back. I'm moving back. Let's start a band. And he had uh, his brother was a fucking bass player. Right. This, will, this is a recurring theme in this. No, I love bass players. I've right. never had a bass player I didn't like. I don't know why I'm keying on him. I like it, though. Keep doing it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a gag now. Uh and they had an old guy they played with back in the day who was a real good guitar player. So we started that band, and I was a uh, rhythm guitar player and lead vocals. And that was probably the band I was the, the proudest of the music that we wrote. And what was that? That was a band called Cadillac Order. And okay. it was kind of heavy, riffy, kind of just stoner kind of riff rock with kind of more melodic vocals. It was good. I'll have to send you some of it. That's quite a description. I'd like to hear that. It was good, man. It was, uh, And it was right around the time we were obsessed with, like, you know, Queens of Stone Age and Thin Lizzy and a bunch of shit like that, uh, a bunch of the stoner rock stuff, and it was it was just a lot like that from the uh, inspirations, and that went for a good couple of years, and then uh, I had moved back to St. Joe. I was going to go start a bar up there, so I got back in the bar industry up there and was kind of getting all these people, you know, bring back Planet B, let's do a show, and I was like, that's not a bad idea, and I'd always had this idea from DJing. I guess I'm getting all over the place here. I would be DJing. I'd see these cover bands coming through the hurricane and just making a shitload of money. And, um, and I was DJing. I never wanted to play any song twice throughout the night. So the beginning of my sets was always old school hip hop. I'd play all the old school shit. And it got to where that was starting to get just as popular as the, the heat of the night. Right. People started getting word, hey, you go early. It's kind of like rap school. So they were coming out and listening to these songs. And I was like, man, if a band could ever pull this off, it's going to be great. You know, but who could ever do that, you know? But it was always in my head. You know, I was always had this idea of trying that. So when I kind of, the Planet B thing started kind of coming back up to the surface, I was just talking to the guys. I'm like, you know, people would like to see a show, and I've always had this idea. What do you say we try to do this? And they're like, yeah, let's fucking do it. I say, like, but I don't want to be the fucking lead vocals anymore. I want to I play drums. And they're like, fuck no. I'm like, it's rap. I can play fucking drums. Right. So I became the drummer, and then we reached out to who is now our lead vocalist, who was a bass player, a fucking bass player. What the fuck? Yeah, and another band that we used to play with all the time, Planet B. And we're like, hey, here's the idea. We're going to do these songs and uh, throw a Halloween show. You in? He's like, yeah, somebody's going to have to burn them for me. I've never heard it. (laughs) So he was. uh, He's never heard the shit. And what year is this? Uh, Fucking 2006. Okay. Early 2006. So we got together. We were just practicing on Friday nights. You know, we'd get some beers and go to this. uh, We had this shitty place downtown St. Joe that we could just be loud as late as we wanted. Uh, and we just kind of woodshedded on it until it got good. We wanted to make sure that we didn't do this shit in front of people until it was good. Like it had to be tight as a mosquito's ass or it was going to be a joke. Right. So we worked on it for probably six, eight months before it saw the light of day. And then we put together this Halloween show 
And uh, my Cadillac order opened. Another band played, and then Dola White played. And my fucking Cadillac order guys were in the front of the stage, and I could just see it on their faces. They're like, well, been fucking nice knowing you. Mm-hmm. It's like, shit. So it just kind of took off. It, I mean, from Jump Street, it was like, what the fuck is this? You know, people just went nuts for it because there was really nothing like it. I mean, while it was a cover, you know, it was we still worked so hard to get the music. We kind of had to re- rewrite music to some of this shit. What were the first songs that you remember you were doing? Oh, uh, man, it was like Tricky was big. Run DMC. Uh, well, uh, definitely nothing but a G thing because that's where the name of the band came yeah. from. Yeah. We uh, the line in that song where he's like pipping hose and clocking the grip like my name was Dolomite, the lead singer. He goes, "I'm gonna say Dolomite because we're honkies and it's funny." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's fucking great." And that's how it happened. That's the guy. That's got to be the fucking band name. So right, but right after you were Dolomite, right? There was yeah, no, no it was okay. Dolomite from Jump Street, the most misunderstood and mispronounced and misspelled fucking name on the planet. I, every fucking time I talk about you, how do you spell it again? And yeah. it's never right. There's no H but in I got there. It. Right. It's not three syllables. And so I well, I, it is three syllables. It's not two syllables. I remember. Uh, the first time, and I'd heard about Dola White. He said, "Hey, you got to check this band out." A couple of people I went to high school with. You're gonna love it. And I was doing a remote down in downtown Parkville, and you guys were playing at a festival down there, Parkville Days or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was at a, a cigar bar that had opened up down there. That's the guy that hired remote, us, right? Yeah, that Mike. Uh, Mike Phillips. Mike Phillips. Yeah. Great guy. And so I, I'm down there, and uh, he's, hey, I got to take a sip of my bone broth. That's right. We, <laughs> oh shit! We got. Is there any chicken feet in there? Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Are we good? Okay. Okay. Was it? Was everything good? I just didn't. Okay. Okay. So waited from here. Okay. So he tells me that you got to listen to this band we have playing tonight, Dola White. You're gonna love them, and it's always to me, it's always more difficult to try to describe what you guys do. I, yeah. And I always say. You gotta fucking watch him. Then, right. then you'll get it. You'll see. And I mean, as soon as I see you guys, I get this. This is this is graphic. Uh, this a huge music boner. I yeah. Know. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is what I like. This is what I like, and I just can't. And I love it. And I'm beside myself. And then I start, uh, you know, going to watch you guys. I, I don't remember how we first started to talk or how we first became we met. Uh, it was a Super Bowl party. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was at the Voodoo Lounge. Oh, that's right. Okay. And uh, you were the, the MC and the host, and we got to just chatting it up backstage and fucking click. Man. Yeah, and I came back and I said, man, I've seen you a bunch of times, and you would listen to the show, and so we... I was like, you gave me a sports boner. There we, there we go. So we had admired each other from afar, and then, and then we, we... We touched them together. We, we call that Chargers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> LA Chargers. That's... Uh, we we consummated the relationship. <laughs> Richie, thank you. Uh, and so, but, but then, and, and then, you know, to make a long story short... You, you you played my 40th birthday party uh, that I may or may not have been carried out of. Uh, but this I, and I've I've had so much. I, I, I don't know how many times have I seen you guys? A hundred times maybe. And uh, I've gone up and performed songs with you on a bunch yeah. of times. It's just been it's been fucking great. And we become our families are friends. And and so then all along this Richie is growing as a musician. And I'm thinking you know he is going to be this is what he's going to do. And so let's let's pick up uh, where you are. At School of Rock, uh, you, you start the first band that you're in. Well, you, there was a couple of bands that you that you were in first. It didn't go very far. Do you remember what what, what was the, the with the with the the kid that lived down by School of Rock that you were in? That uh, that would be Scarlet View. Scarlet View was. I like these. I love names of bands that didn't work out. Oh, so like right. Cloven Hoof and shit. You know? <laughs> right. Scarlet View. How long were you in Scarlet View? 
not even long enough for me to remember. Like half an hour or so, something like that. Roughly. Yeah, I mean, you had a couple of games. I remember you guys played English Sandy Park once or twice. Yeah, which and, I believe they're still around. A different iteration, but okay. they, they've survived through the but years, I believe. Hey, that's not saying something. You were an yeah. original member. And so then after Scarlet View... Was it right to minor rewind, or was there something in between? I believe so. If I was part of any project, I definitely don't remember it. So, yeah, the, Maddie was the lead singer. We had Maddie, Dax on the drums. Andy. Andy. Uh, we had Robert on the bass. Was and a then, fucking bass player. Yeah. Bass right? player, and then, and, and then, then you were keyboards. Keyboards. But then we also had someone named Jacob in the band. Boy, I don't uh, remember on him. On guitar. Uh, he was only there for a little bit when I first joined, but then he went off to uh, uh, Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And so you join the band, and then you start playing uh, all around Kansas City, and, and that's when you had graduated from high school. You had graduated from School of Rock. Uh, you were working at School of Rock, but here this was really your first gig as a musician. And so when you look back at that, were you thinking, hey, this is great, I love this, this is going to work? Like, how was that for you to be in your first professional band? Because you guys had all gone to music school together, and you guys had all graduated kind of at the same time, and so here you are trying to make it in the local music scene. Well, performing itself wasn't that big of a jump, because that's something they do at School of Rock, And right? you've been, you'd been performing since you were eight right. or nine years old. So right. Yeah, right. You know, and, and piano recitals are one thing, but with School of Rock, you know, I was doing that from about 13, 14. They prep you to do live rock shows. You know, that's, that's the whole point of it, you right. know, just like the movie, you know, to give uh, someone sort of a basis to, to put it off of. But uh, performing itself wasn't that crazy of a deal, you know. I was used to that. But doing it for your own sake and for your own name was another deal, you know, because all of a sudden it's not just, oh, you know, you're just part of School of Rock, you're just performing for your parents and that sort of thing. You... You know, for instance, we played at Nick and Nino's uh, quite a lot in the in the early days. So we would be there, and we'd just be in a bar, and we'd be playing for random people, you know, and we can live and die by whatever happens. You know, maybe they'll kick us out. Maybe they'll love us. I don't know. There's 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 just uh, not the same level of certainty. You didn't have School of Rock back in you, and wasn't right. there. you're there on your own. This if, is it. Exposed. If I totally screwed up at a School of Rock show... You know, it. I would feel bad about it, but you know, but it's school of rock and the teacher. The parents, yeah, the yeah. Like, they'd be, oh, they'd be oh, yeah. nice. Oh, you did your best, yeah. and you know, the teacher would be like, hey, buddy, you know, don't worry. Right. You, know. you screw up there, and then hey, fuck you. you we'll guys move suck. you to base. Yeah, will <laughs> be fine. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, you're not getting paid, or you know, you're not coming back, and you really put your neck out on the line. And that's just a different feeling. And, and so, uh, speaking of that, there would be times when you would play, basically, just for the parents of the band members. Uh, that would happen right, as well. Right. And so uh, are you, over the years, have you been more embarrassed by the amount of pictures that I take during a concert of yours or when me and your mom get out there and start to dance uh, quite suggestively and get after it on the dance floor? <laughs> when you're up there, I've always wondered, when you're up there, because I'll see the fucking eye roll. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I'll be up there. When, you know, and he's like, that's the last thing he fucking needs. Duck is, face, is man. my fat ass up there. Just all kinds of right. <laughs> Solo. And then, and then and, you know, me and mom, we get up there and start, uh, I'm like, you know, we're having fun. We're not trying to embarrass you. But clearly, there's sometimes he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> So is that, w w what's worse? Like, when you're up there, wouldn't you see that? Because we're at all the shows, and we're not afraid to get out there and, and you know, and, and shake it on the dance floor. Is that something that, like, hey, they're supporting me. This is helping me. I like this. Or at some point, you're like, Get the fuck off the dance floor, mom and dad. Please let me do this on my own. Yeah, you know, um, 
Yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, I eye roll about it because you'll go up because you were infamous for taking pictures, yeah. right? You know, it doesn't matter what it is, even if it's just a normal family outing just to uh, the Olive Garden or something, you know, 15 pictures at least. Do we go to the it's Olive an example. Garden? It's an example. You make me look bad. We go to Garozo's. We don't go to fucking Olive Garden. But it was I the first it. thing that popped I'm into my lobster. mind. You know, Red Lobster. It's just, you know, whatever. Red lobster? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what do you say? Applebee's next. By the way, Applebee's, Red Lobster, yeah, Olive Garden, fine. if you'd like to uh, sponsor the if show. You'd like to sponsor the show or advertise clearly i've been to all of your uh, delicious uh eateries and uh, let's talk i do go like ahead. those red lobster biscuits well, though. Then the cheddar bay biscuits are delicious now go ahead uh yeah you're infamous for taking pictures so uh-huh. i that that just kind of comes with the package i expect that and yeah I'll, I'll i'll eye roll about it but you know what when you're doing that or when you and mom get out there and dance you know i don't get embarrassed or upset about it you know because you're Thank there you. you're supporting me you know not everybody can say the same thing not right. even just in a musicians feel but just anything that they're doing you know that, that that maybe they don't have their parents backing i at least have that you know so it it's uh you know yeah it's like oh you know my parents are out there you know th- you know five drinks in and dancing on the dance floor <laughs> well, we didn't say all that but hey that's, there's nothing wrong with but, that one you know but it, uh you need someone to break the ice you know then that gets other people out there oh, dancing we break the fuck out of the ice i can tell you that oh yeah yeah you know people don't have to worry about you know embarrassing themselves and that's usually that. your mom She's out, she's always the first one on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. got to get out there with her, right? And, and yeah, and she's, she's good. You know, you, you kind of scare people away a little bit, but she's good at getting people out there, you know? <laughs> right. she's... I go out there. No one wants to fucking go out there. <laughs> she gets out there. Hey, let's go on the dance floor. I go yeah. out there like, well, we're sitting down. Fuck yeah, him. Yeah, turns into fucking footloose like the <laughs> talent for no dancing. <laughs> That's exactly right. John Lithgow is like pounding a Bible at the fucking stage. Uh, and so then it, it, at some point, I think it was up at St. Joe. They were playing up at St. Joe. I asked you, I said, hey, could you come out and watch them? I think I saw them, I saw them before uh, Play Out the K. Okay, that was oh, yeah, the first yeah, time that's I saw right, because you, you guys got had a chance to play at some great venues through School of Rock. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I said, hey, you know the music scene. Could you talk to them, just give them some pointers or take a look and see? And, and you were always very kind, because not all musicians do that. Not all musicians will actually share the you know advice or any uh, experience that they have and you came out and, and you know as, as friends and you you know wanted to connect with uh, Richie because you know, he's my son but uh, you were you you took time out of your schedule to come out there and just give them some pointers and try to help them because it is a fucking tough thing the music scene to try to make it yeah and there's a lot of mistakes you can make without you know thinking twice about it you know stepping up the wrong hole but it, you know, I saw that they clearly had talent I mean they were compared to what I was when I was that fucking age no goddamn way you know <laughs> I saw that when you guys, I don't know how old you were at the K that day, but I was, I mean, you, you had to still be in school. You guys were babies. Yeah, you were maybe 15 or 16 back yeah. then. And oh, yeah, if like, we're talking School of Rock, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, house band would play out there. Yeah, you were putting so, pillows on, we, me, like 15, <laughs> 16, me, me and Mike were both putting pillows on the fucking floor. To yeah, do shit, still you doing know? shit in the couch. <laughs> uh, but no, I was I was impressed with him. I could see that, you know, Richie especially had, had drive to take it seriously and, and make it a career. And, of course, you guys were fucking supportive, like, I have not seen many parents be that supportive. You know, it's, we've got uh, one guy in our band that's been like a father to all of us. Uh, that's Tommy, Melissa's dad. He's been basically the lifeblood of the band behind the scenes forever since the early 90s. But that's cool to have that. Yeah, it know? is cool. It's, it's invaluable. And, uh, but yeah, I saw that bond you guys had and how you guys were so strong to back them. And it, yeah, I mean, it's not like I could give them a fucking magic wand or anything, right. but. Yeah, I just made myself available if there's ever any introductions I can make in the places that we play, or if you got any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. But you can see they're on their way, definitely. So let, let's get back, and we'll we'll get back to how we you know ultimately end up uh, the night before Thanksgiving with these uh, both these bands playing at uh, at the Uptown Dola White and the Accidental Moguls. Uh, 
take me back to when you were a DJ, when yeah. we shared a studio okay. in Independence. And uh, and maybe you don't want to talk about this, but uh, I feel like you let me know about this, so I think I need to bring this. And maybe this sells tickets. I don't know. There's a story about a trash can I'd like to at least ask oh, you no. about. What can you what can you tell me about a trash can when you were uh, a DJ? On, and what was the station again? So 107.3 The X. 107.3 The X. What uh, happened here? Well, I was a baby. I was I started as an intern, a radio te- or a, a remote tech. I'd go out and set up the live broadcast shit, throw out CDs and T-shirts and I just wanted to get on the air, but right. I had to put in my, my time. Same thing as me. You do whatever they wanted you yeah, to do. you drive you the fucking... You wanted to do it. I'm fucking going to work. I'm going to outwork everyone else. I want to get my foot in the door and then bust it down. Yeah, they sent me out. I was little Johnny whatever you need. I was a little ass-kissing right. you know, guy. <laughs> and they sent me out to fucking Lexington to paint rubber paint on the fucking the, the broadcast building because it was leaking and we were going off air. So I, just, I go out I there. Like the fact that you said you're Johnny, what you need? Yeah. We're gonna kiss some ass wherever. You go. <laughs> I was man. I I had stock and fucking lip balm, man. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, uh, but I go out. <clears throat> I'm painting this damn thing. It's like a hundred and fuck. I, it's gross as shit. There's nothing out. I'm in the middle, of, like the ending of seven. You know, it's like fucking. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> What's in the box? Yeah, I'm like, what fucking box am I in? So, but what are you like? What are you doing? Why are you out there? What I, the fuck the, are you doing? The fucking building with all the the broadcast equipment at the tower was leaking, so it, okay. was, it was losing power. We'd you know fucking burn the shit up. So you had to get out there and do something. Yeah, I had to go fucking fix it. So I'm out there painting this shit with like rubber pool paint. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be good. I get so many fucking brownie points for this. I'm and gonna have goddamn morning you, drive before you we know it. You saved the station. Yes. you're out there, and you're I doing, was yeah, totally responsible for rock and roll in Kansas City. That's right. <laughs> I get back to the station covered in this shit, sweat, and fucking mouse turds or whatever and the fucking pd had gotten fired the program director the program the boss right the boss of the djs was fired and i'm like son of a bitch man i've been kissing this fucking guy's ass for six months working now, my nuts off and now his ass is gone and i was pissed i was mad but i had already befriended uh one of the overnight jocks and he was in the i just kind of resigned myself to fuck it i'll just start over uh, i was kind of i don't know it was almost kind of relieving in a sense right. i didn't have to worry he was in there cutting some promo spots, and I went in the studio with him. We were starting to fuck around. And I didn't know this, but in the phone, the PD can listen to any room in the fucking building. Oh. So the new PD Ew. was listening to us jerking around in the fucking prod studio. Oh, shit. He comes in, knocks on the door. He's like, hey, I want you guys in my office. I'm like, son of a bitch. I went from not only impressing this motherfucker, to I'm going to get fired. He calls us in there. He's like, I was listening to what you guys were doing in there. And I'm like, fuck. Like, what were you, like, what were you guys doing? I don't even remember. I mean, this was like the summer that South Park came out. So we were probably trying to fucking fake some of that shit. And we were just being real vulgar. We, we, we kind of made our name for making some raunchy shit and just barely beeping it. Right. <laughs> so we were edgy. You know? Right. <laughs> and anyway, uh, he's like, I heard what you guys were doing. And my heart just fucking fell down on my my balls i'm like god damn it i've been working so hard and he's like i decided i want you guys to be a tandem show on saturday nights starting this week i'm like this is thursday or some shit i'm like fuck and who was who was who were you with who was the guy that- the guy's name was roach it was roach and sumo it was every oh, saturday wow. night we had a show from six to midnight which was kind of a like what you guys do riffing off each other so you think you're fucked then you go mm-hmm. in there but he liked what he heard and it was funny it was a good fuck oh wow yeah so he puts us on the air and uh that first night, he's like, basically, the rule is he does the George Carlin. Don't say, you know, shit, piss, cunt, fuck, cock. You know, yeah. that's all you can not do. Okay, so I've been wanting to do this on the podcast. So the George Carlin, rat shit, bat shit, dirty old twat, 69 assholes tied in a knot. Hooray, lizard shit, fuck. That's from a George Carlin concert. I've always wanted to say that in that the microphone. That is a direct quote. Bucket list done. Check it off. Check. Go ahead. 
Richie's so fucking confused right now, by the way. George <laughs> Carlin, tremendous comedic talent. So. Funny, funny. Right. Guy. Anyway, I'm, we're on the air this first show, and I'm fucking shit in my pants. I'm so nervous. I'm not talking. I'm like one word guy. You know, like, yeah, uh, uh, you're just being a total failure. Right. And he's he's going to break. He's like, dude, you gotta help me out. We're gonna we're gonna fucking die if you don't start fucking interacting. Oh, I've been here. there. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I was reading one of the trade magazines in there, and it was something about like uh, Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine partnered with Ford on the new Explorer campaign. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so I decide I'm gonna I got a story I can read. This will get me talking. So we come out of it, and he's like, hey, I got this story, and I, he kind of sets me up, and I go to talk about it. And he goes, where are you getting your fucking facts, basically? He's, like, calling me out. He knows I'm reading this shit, but he's hammering it up for, you know, radio. Like, I don't believe you. You're full of shit. And I looked at him like he had just fucking sold me out. And I go, yeah, I made the whole fucking thing up. And he goes, nice. And instantly hit a song. The fucking light goes up. The program director calls in. He's like, hey, guys. I'm like, hey. Yeah. He's like, how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's going so, so good. Couldn't be better. He goes, sumo. I'm like, yeah. He goes, don't say fuck on my radio. Right. Go, okay, That's right. <laughs> but after that, it was kind of, it was cool. And I, I kind of, I, I loosened up, but no, the trash can, uh, shortly after that, I was still barely getting solo shifts. We had the company Christmas party at a place I won't name down in Kansas city. And okay. I went down there and ate some dinner and then I had to hustle ass and get back and run the, yeah. run the show. So they're all partying it up and drinking. And I, I made a little plate to go and I'm eating it and I go back to work and I got fucking food poisoning. Oh no. And it was that kind where you know something bad is going to happen. Right. I looked like uh, I was going to die, but I didn't have time. You know, back then it was CD Eats Away, so you had to literally change songs. Now you can't play Stairway to Heaven. And well, I, I, had, I had a couple that I'd found in there. There was a, a Jane's Addiction song right. that was about eight minutes. Play November Rain and come yeah. back later. Uh, yeah, Three Days by Jane's Addiction. Right. If you ever need a cigarette or to shit, <laughs> cue, cue that one up. So I could just feel it, man. I'm, I'm sitting there. I've got that song ready to go and fucking Everclear or whatever won't end. <laughs> I'm standing there at that board like that, that fucking Daily Struggle meme where the guy's like wiping sweat. Right. Like, can't, can't pick which button to hit. I'm fucking dying. And it's just like time is stopping. It's not fucking happening. I've got Everclear fucking going. I'm about to shit my pants. And I'm like, holy shit, this is not how I die. You know, right. Not today, Satan. So I fucking look down and there's a goddamn... Trash basket, and I just picked that motherfucker up, and I fucking just, oh. I let it go. I, I, I Jackson Pollocked all over this fucking thing, man. No. So then I'm like, holy oh, no. shit, this is literally the worst moment of my fucking life in my dream job. I'm fucking done. But hidden in all these bad feelings, there has to be a tremendous sense of relief. That you oh, my let, God. Right? You're not it holding was, this bag anymore. Yeah, it was better than losing my virginity, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, fucking, I was so bad. So I got this damn trash can full of remorse and doubt, and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking around. I know I'm the only one in the fucking building. I know this, but I'm still looking around like I'm on camera. I'm like, I know somebody's got me on this shit. There goes my chance of politics, you know? So I fucking get Jane's Addiction on. I try to clean everything up, and I'm going out, and I'm like, well, I don't want this to be in the fucking dumpster. Someone's going to see my shit in the fucking trash bag. It was like a clear bag. I'm like, so what? So I put it in my fucking car. Oh, no. Why? I was not thinking clearly. I had food poison. I just shit in a wastebasket. I was 21 years old. I made a mistake. At least there's plausible deniability in the dumpster. You say, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't me. My head Some wasn't in a there. good spot. So right, right. I put this, Your I put ass this wasn't in a good spot, apparently. I put this bag of shit in my geo. And I drove it down the street after my shift was over. And I threw it away in like a quick trip by the pump. <laughs> Oh so my yeah, God. I fucking, and after that, I was like, you know, I, I was no longer nervous about shit. I kind of, <laughs> literally, uh, I just, right. I got better at it because it just, it, 
things seemed like way less important <laughs> after you shit in a trash can. It seems like you, you would face the worst case scenario. You'd come at <laughs> okay on the other side and you were good. So yeah. that, right, and that'll help you. Okay. I love that gig. It was a fun job, man. We got going real well. Uh, it, I was on seven days a week after that. No, it, not after the shitting, but right. <laughs> eventually I worked my way up and I was on there. But, you know, the, the story in radio, some consultant from six states away comes in and looks at the market and says, this is what your city needs. So they fired all of us and they flipped formats. And But luckily, uh, Stan from the Hurricane had a weekly show out there, and we'd gotten to be friends over the years. And he was like, come work for me. I'll put you, you, know, you won't lose any money. Come on out. And he gave me a job at the Hurricane and changed my life, corrupted me forever. Any chance that uh, at the Uptown uh, you could shit in a uh, trash uh, can for the people that uh, pay their hard-earned money to watch you on uh, well, the night before Thanksgiving? Or I can, yeah, I guess shit in that bag and we can put lights on it and have, <laughs> have Lee Zach hit the switch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Five, Drum. four, three, two, hey! Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about now. I mean, but we've gotten a that's little... That's right. But it's good. Richie's like, why did you have me come in here? <laughs> so... Okay. Hey, I hope that sells a few tickets. I think it might. So, so Richie, Mike uh, was open enough to tell the story about shitting in a trash can, uh, and now this has given you the confidence. You say that you have a story that uh, maybe that uh, Sumo can relate to something similar, which is uh, horrifying me because as your father, I have no idea what you're about to say. What, uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, what, what have you got here? Yeah, it's uh, so. This uh, his story really just unlocked it in my head. I, I really oh, I buried it for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so sorry to anybody who went to St. Gabe's. First of all, oh, <laughs> well, we, I mean, uh, by the way, we still got we still got kids there. Your, oh, your sister still go there, that's, and you were a teacher there, so let's pay for it. Okay, there we go. Uh, okay, it wasn't at St. Gabe's. All right, at least you can you know Thank sleep you. well at night for that. Uh, but we were on one of those retreats that they take us on. I forget what it was for, uh, confirmation sure, or something, something like that. Right. I don't know. But we were like in middle school or something. Glad to see that high price education's really stuck with you. Go yep, ahead. Absolutely. Right. Um, but they had, of course, the boys separated from the girls. And we were just doing anything possible that we could to just torture the girls. Right. Right. I was just a bystander. I was just what wrapped up in, in this whole thing. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Go ahead. Um, but we were trying to just mess with them. You know, we're we're middle school boys. That's just what we do. Um, you know, just the the usual thing. You know, throwing things at their window and stuff like that. Uh, so someone got the idea. Hey, you know, what would be a really good thing to throw at their window. Shit. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't think this is similar to his story at all. But go ahead. Well, it, it has a similar theme, right? right? It so yeah, shit. But I mean, yeah, there's just, Dookie. Yeah. Right, go ahead. So somebody. Uh, grabs a waste basket, right? A trash can okay, with with a clear trash bag in it. See, there you go. Right. Um, it's been so long ago. I can't. Don't tell me you're the one that shit in it. Well, I can't exactly remember yeah. who did it. I think I was too. Uh, so it sounds like shy. you may have been right. So what happened? I'm a, I'm a I'm a shy pooper. I don't know if I if I would be able to do that in front of a room full of boys. By the way, that sound, kind of sounds like a good band name, Shy Pooper. <laughs> I yeah, go see he them. Was, he was in Transformers. Right. <laughs> Peanut butter so falcon. Then, so I'm then a very what, modest man. <laughs> so then what happened? Well, uh, somebody who I cannot remember or disclose does eventually um, shit in the wastebasket, ties it up in the uh, trash bag, and throws it at the open window. Um, oh, the window is open. Yes. Uh, this is what a, the fuck? That's a bio weapon. And then what happened? 
Well, they didn't like that very much, as you can imagine. I, I don't think they appreciated it, which I found personally insulting. Like uh, Cubs fans, throw it back. Right. Throw it. <laughs> so, so I mean, from there, um, I think they just got fed up. Told the teacher, the, you know, they came up and like, "What is going on up here? What are you guys doing?" We're like, "I don't know. We don't know what happened. I just, what are you talking about? It wasn't us." Well, I don't. He, I swear, what are you shit, talking he just about? Locked another fucking shit story that I forgot about. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, finish it off. Well, I, it, <laughs> the the thing in the radio station wasn't malicious. It was just you know, I was. I've been haunted. You were a victim of I'd, circumstance. Yeah, it was right. not my. I was a victim. I, right. Yeah, that's right. I would like. I would like to make a plea that I was also a victim of circumstance. Yeah, it sounds like uh-huh. I was just. There. And so, and so what? Happened? I was DJing down in Columbia, Missouri. This place hired me to go down there and DJ this club, and uh, they put me up in a hotel as a Ramada Inn. And I don't think I checked in until like three thirty, four in the morning. After getting done, sure. I, I get to the hotel. It's like four in the morning. I check in. I go to sleep, and uh, they fucking wake me up at ten to get out. I'm like, what? I just checked in. And they're like, sorry, the checkout's at 10. Fuck that. I go, get fucked. I ain't, I'm not leaving. <laughs> and they're like, man, they're going to charge you if you don't leave. So I'm like, fuck off. So I'm getting my shit. I'm pissed off. And I, I'm like, fuck these guys. So I open up the goddamn top drawer and I shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that one, that was, that was a bad choice. You shit in the I top shit in the drawer fucking drawer. Fucking I had to shit. I was pissed. I was like, I'm like, they're cleaning yeah, this not up. Not malicious at all. I'm getting the money's worth. Boy, there's going to be a lot of shit going on in the Uptown Theater uh, the night before uh, Thanksgiving. No, I won't. I won't shit. So, w- w- one more question I have uh, about uh, about weird weird shit. Right? What's the weirdest fucking thing you've seen in a Dola White show from someone in the crowd, either during or after? And please don't let it be me, because I know you've seen some me do some weird shit over the years. What's like something that like. Wow, that's I may never see that again at a fucking Dola White show. Man, I don't know that there's been anything terribly weird. I mean, you're playing fucking suburban bar and grill right. for the most part. <laughs> I don't know, that's yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as it left my mouth, I realized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just it's the the sea of humanity, you know. Right. Especially me sitting up high in the back, I can take I get to take it all in. And the, the funniest is when you see the girl that just thinks she's hot shit up there dancing all seductive, and, and the, then there's just a row of women behind her judging the fuck out of her. <laughs> Now that is it's fucking suburban funny. Kansas yeah. City. Yes, it is. I mean, she's going for the gold, and the chicks are behind her, just like, look at this bitch. <laughs> and you can just see the internal dialogue. It never fails. She's looking for tens, and they're all holding up twos and threes. The people that fall down, you know, that some dickheads always jumping up on stage to have his moment, and he fucking eat shit. You know, it's <laughs> like, all right, way to go, butthole. If if you'd like to be unfairly judged <laughs> or eat shit, uh, come out to the Uptown Theater the night before Thanksgiving. I don't think I want to hear any uh, more stories about. Uh, I have a really you. good one. What do you have? Okay, so the, I I didn't cause this at all. So you can okay. you know this is this is a good story. Well, you know for for me. <laughs> so we were playing a uh, a gig up in a, a small town called Easton, right? You know, way up there, a little not too far from St. Joe, isn't it? Uh, a little bit culturally. East of it. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about, but go ahead. Right, good bats. It was a, it was an old gig with minor rewinds. Okay, they're somewhat towards the end. All right. So the first time we had played there, there was like this whole bar clearing brawl, right? And you know the police were called and all this and that, and but the, you know it got settled and we continued the show. That's not too crazy. But the second time we go there, uh, the owner's like, you know. You know, oh, you know, we were, we were so worried you guys weren't going to come back after that because that's well, it was such an ordeal. But I promise, nothing's going to happen this time. From that moment, I knew that something was going to happen because she went out of her way to say that. So we do actually get through the show without a hitch, right? It's fine, just a normal show. Uh, but afterwards, 
you know, everyone leaves. We're packing out. You know, we're, you know, throwing stuff in our cars and just getting ready to make, like, the hour trek home or something. And this dude in a giant, like, big giant GMC truck or something comes down the road. And it's it's a small, little, narrow, two-way road. And it's the type where you're parking diagonally on the street. And our drummer, Dax, is parked diagonally on the street in front of the bar. The guy is coming the opposite way and tries to pull a very sharp U-turn on this, on, this, on this road that's barely bigger than his truck. And Dax has his driver uh, back door open, right? right? And the guy comes barreling around on this U-turn and hits his door and, and just hyperextends it, right? It bends completely the wrong way. <laughs> right? Oh, fuck. And, and that, that would be enough to make it an awful story. But he backs out to try and attempt this again, right? Try and turn, turn his way down the he road. He hasn't had enough, so he's going to fucking do it enough. again. Right? Yeah, so, you know, take two. He pulls out, goes back in, hits the door again, full on, and bends it the wrong way. So he's going to try again because, you know, he's got to get out of there now. Now he's in trouble. So he pulls out again and then back into the door. And then he pulls out again, back into the door. And he pulls out again. What the fuck? And this time he makes it. And he's he's facing the right way on the road where he was trying to go. But our bassist is standing in front of him. Fucking bass player the, again. The bassist right. causing problems. The is standing in front problem. of him. He's like, hey, you know, you, you can't go anywhere. You just, you know, wrecked his car. You know, we you can't you can't just leave and speed off. Right. Uh you know, Dax is just standing there with a giant kick drum, just watching this whole thing go on. Just he's just dead in the eyes. He's like, ah, Yep. <laughs> and that was it. No, no, it was not. That's not even not even the worst part. So, <laughs> but wait, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Right. So our bassist is standing in front of this truck, and he's trying to inch around him. Right. The truck takes, you know, tries to inch around him over a little bit to the left. So the bassist steps in front of him. And he's like, you know, you're not going anywhere. Uh, and that, you know, that continues for a little bit. But he just skids off. You know, finally gets around him, speeds off. But our bassist hasn't had enough, right? He has vengeance in his eyes. He's sprinting uh, down the road, somehow keeping up with the truck. He had some superhuman ability that night. And he's banging on the side of it. He's like, hey, stop, stop, come back here. Loses his footing and grabs his uh, passenger back door, grabs the handle, rips it off, but then falls onto the road and falls headfirst right onto the concrete, right onto the pavement, right? And, you know, and just, it splits his head open what the all fuck? over the place. Rockstar life, you know that's just kind of what you deal with as a musician. Did the guy stop? No, ah. no, he, he just he Holy kept shit. on going. He just tawanded. Yeah, so you know we bring him back and we call the paramedics, we call the police because you know his head's open. Um, our guitarist Andy ends up going with him to the hospital, and and he was he was fine, right? I think he had to get some uh, staples or something in his head, but it, it healed fine. You know, uh, it wasn't a whole ordeal. And also, if it's Staples, if you'd like to, uh, <laughs> if, if you'd like to advertise, this would be a nice uh, way I could talk about Staples. Yeah, you guys do a bang up right. job. Uh, and so, is that the end of the story? No. Um, no, nothing else awful happens, right? I call. Well, no, actually, one one more thing does. Uh, I call you to be like, you know, all of this just happened. Okay. What what do what do I do? How do I handle this? You know what you know do. What, what, what do I do? Give me some fatherly advice here. And you're on the phone with me, and this guy in the truck comes back to the bar. And he just walks in, and he just goes to the back, uses the bathroom or something, and comes back out. And, and, and What you're not saying, he walks into the bar and shits in the trash can. You know he might have. I don't right. know what he did in that bathroom. So then what happens? 
Well, he just leaves, and someone was supposed to stop him. I was on the phone with you. I didn't even see him come in. I found this out after the fact, but, you know, nobody stops him from leaving. He gets in his truck and leaves again. Uh, and the owner is like, I think I might know that guy. It's a small town. Everyone knows each other. Uh, he was in the bar all that night bragging about his brand-new GMC Arctic White truck. Right. Right? <laughs> Something like that. And she's like, you know, I think I might know who this guy is. Give me a sec. She goes over to the computer behind the bar, looks him up, and there he is. Posing all proud with his brand new truck, the exact one that uh, that wrecked our drummer's car, and he wasn't hard to find. Again, it's a small town, and he's the only one in a brand new uh, pickup truck that's missing a handle now. Uh, but we we had to take a bungee cord and, and uh, forcibly at least try and mostly close our drummer's door on that hour long trip back. And uh, so you got home, and there was uh, no altercation, and everything worked out. No yeah. shitting in trash cans, and. Uh, boy, that's a lot of excitement. So see, <laughs> there, as you can see, if you're thinking about missing this show at the Uptown Theater, God only fucking knows what could happen with the Accidental Moguls featuring my son, Richie St. John, and, of course, uh, Dola White, which is uh, the best party band in Kansas City. So get your tickets now because you don't know what the fuck you might miss. And if you come, how about don't drink and drive? You know, avoid that whole. That's right. And call an Uber, call a Lyft, and Uber and Lyft, if you would like to promote this show, please let us know. Look how responsible my son is. <laughs> By the way, stay away from that trash can. Been, keep I'm, that on that side of the fucking I've been room, eyeballing it. It's a safe distance. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can make yeah, it Yeah, you time. keep looking at that like you're... <laughs> yeah, I'm scared to be standing in between right. him and that, that right. basket over there. That's all right. So, yeah, how I got started, how I got connected to that was, uh, of course, I was working at School of Rock. Uh, we had a studio coordinator at the time by the name of Larry, and... Um, He's a mutual friend with Todd. I guess they've known each other for quite a while. Todd and, Owen, who's a drummer yes, of the Todd Accidental Owen. Moguls. And uh, uh, he was just like, hey, you know, my buddy needs a keyboardist for his band. And I was like, well, okay, that's all I need to hear. And I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Yeah. yeah. Done. Done. Uh, yeah, so I just go and uh, audition for him. And it, it really wasn't that much of a process. You know, just immediately, you know, they liked me. You know, I, I they gave me a a certain list of uh, songs to learn beforehand to play for them. And I put in my work and I learned them all really well. So, you know, they could just see I worked hard. I could play and, you know, I was easy to get along with. I wasn't going to be a diva and break up the band and you just cause problems in general. So you're no Yoko St. John, are you? No. And so, but the, but, but the point of this <laughs> is, and so like, I'm, you know, I'm your dad and clearly I'm going to talk to you, but this is what I say when people ask, you know, does he get your musical, his musical talent from you? No. But what I've tried to, to uh, impress upon you is one thing you can there's always going to be someone more talented. There's going to be somebody that has maybe better connections. But there's one thing you can control is your fucking work ethic. You cannot work anyone. And that's all up to you. And that's the one thing that I'm most proud of about you is you have a tremendous work ethic. Uh, when, when, when they say you have to learn all these songs, you lock yourself in a fucking room until you learn all these songs. And you do... And, and you love what you do, right? And so and that's and that's that's half the battle. And and so like Mike, for you, and you've dealt with enough fucking bullshit. You don't want divas. You don't want people that are fighting over the spotlight. For him, what he offers, he plays guitar, he plays keyboard, he plays bass, background vocals. Now you're actually doing some lead singing and stuff. You'll do whatever it takes. For, to, to make the band successful and for you having dealt with all the shit you have you're looking for someone that just at the end of the day they want to make the band sound good and they have a tremendous work ethic and that's what it's all about when you get done with all the bullshit right right 100 if as long as it's you got to be able to work with the person it's, it's a fucking marriage i mean you're gonna spend some weird 
amounts of time together. So it's you're kind of just thrown into this relationship that hopefully is working. And that and that reputation. Yeah. Well, if and if you're a diva and if you're a dickhead to work with, that and then this Kansas City's a a big small town. Right. They'll they'll know, and then pretty soon nobody want to work with you. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you end up you're with the accidental moguls, and now you're lead guitarist. You do some lead singing and background vocals. Uh, tell me a little bit about the band now as it is that we'll see at the Uptown Theater. Well, I feel like our vibe sort of lines up with Dola White, right? You play really fun music, dance music, he's hip-hop and everything. And we might touch on some of the same songs that we have in our uh, full sets, uh, and we'll try not to upstage you on any of those. Okay. We'll, we'll stay away from those. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's party music. It's dance music, you know? Anything, it really, the, the decade doesn't matter. Anything from the 70s all the way up to today, you know, as long as it's poppy and it's fun. Michael Jackson to Bruno Mars, uh, you know, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B. Some of the songs that you sing. Remix to Ignition, that's my favorite right. one that you Remix sing. to Ignition. Um, I get more into the sort of pop punk side of things. You know, I'll, uh, I'll do some Green Day, right? Some When I Come Around, I'll do uh, All the Small Things, which is a crowd favorite. I like that one. And, like, and for you, your sound check, which is one of my fucking favorite things, one of my favorite songs, you sing Wishing Well. By Terrence Trent DRB, and you you have to hear enough from people that love that shit. Have you ever yeah. wanted to incorporate that into the show because you get so much feedback from that? Because people get there early, hear the soundtrack just to hear you do wishing. It's well. yeah, it's crazy that it's been so kind of well received. That was one that Planet B did, uh, one of the few covers that we did back in the day. And I I, I want to say we were tearing down after a night uh, show, and I was singing it, and the sound guy was like, "I'll fucking give you a thousand bucks if you pull that shit off." And I'm like, "Dude, we used to do it." And he's like, "No," I'm like, "Yeah," so we did it soundcheck. And it just kind of stuck. I mean, it's got it's a song that has kind of a little bit of everything that we do in it. DJ's got a chance to check his shit to open it up. Drums, vocals. My vocals aren't on every song, so it's a good way to check that. Uh, Melissa's there backing me, so it's checking her. Tommy's uh, got keyboards and guitar going on that one. And then we make sure that Flanny, the, the lead vocals, busts in there during the little breakdown. So it's just kind of a nice little well-rounded way to check everything's in, in line. But it has gotten popular. It's fucking weird. Uh but no, it's never. I just don't know if it vibes right with the show. Once you get going, we're right. kind of at, at a certain altitude. It's kind of hard to be like, "Hey, give us a couple of, uh, of songs that are on the set list that we'll we'll hear at, at the Uptown." Well, yeah, man, we're gonna hit all of them hard and fast. We're gonna do. You got "Tricky" by Run DMC, uh, "Jump Around," "House of Pain." Those are always huge. We got some Beastie Boys. We'll do uh, everybody's favorite Candyman. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, shit, man, I'm drawing a blank. You got some new shit you're working on. Maybe. Okay, so you don't want to say it. But nothing but a G thing is always, yeah. right? That's a staple. We're going to actually, we're bringing up a, uh, a guest on a couple of songs. I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago when the Foo Fighters were in town, this little fucking kid up in the rafters holds a sure. sign. Sure. Collier. He gets up there and he starts playing fucking Metallica with the Foo Fighters. Yeah. He's coming. He's going to come play a couple songs. Oh, with that's us. fucking nice. awesome. He's a little bad motherfucker. That's great. I yeah. love those videos went viral. That's yeah, incredible. He's a, he's a cool little kid, man. I've seen him. I played with him for the first time. I was probably six months before that show. At a uh, a Prince tribute out at Knuckleheads, it was a bunch of musicians. Yep, got together. I remember that. And Collier was out there, and I got to see him, and I'm like, Jesus, look at this little. And how old's he? I I don't know how old he's now. I think he's he's a little older than me, of course. He's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's still young, man. He's still a kid, but uh, no, he's crazy talented. He's got a shitload of people that you know help him out and support him. His mom's fucking uber cool behind him. His grandparents. He's got teachers. He's That's awesome. he's learning drums from the baddest motherfucker on the planet right now, Go Go Ray, who was used to be in Billy Goat. 
and he's 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 got it down. He's got the work ethic. He's putting in the hours. So yeah. he's going to come out. We're going to we're going to party with him and you guys, man. That was a blast the last time we played with them at the Grinder Show. How, and how many people showed up at the Grinder Show at the beginning of summer? I heard it was eighteen hundred something. It was fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Accidental moguls opened up. You guys killed it. It was one of the best live shows I've been to, and that's kind of where it started. Like, hey, let's do this again. Yeah. And Sports Radio 810 presents it, along with CBD American Shaman at the Uptown the night before Thanksgiving. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. And again, I'll say this. like Having seen you guys so many times, I tell people, you go and you just can't help but to have a great time. What, it's, it's, it's a party. And just for, go empty stomach. Right. Know, well, that's exactly right. And so, again, for, b- before we, we end the podcast – for someone that hasn't seen Dola White, okay. and you're going to tell them, okay, this is what to expect, and they're on the fence right now, and I and I, I just say it's a fucking party from beginning to end. It's songs that you know, songs that you love. Your stage presence and everything about you guys is just fucking awesome, and the energy's so high, you can't help but to fucking feel like you're a part of the show. Right. And so that's why I love you guys so much. Uh, what can someone expect from a Dola White show that's never been there before? You pretty much encapsulated everything we try to do. It's always been, like I said, we made sure that this is it's the new oldies. Like people don't realize that old school hip hop, basically anybody like like fifty five and under had this shit in their life at some point. Right. Quite a, quite a big portion of your life. I mean, none of us were you know crazy hip hop heads, but we you get back in there and we're learning this shit. And they, not to mention some of the the songs that they sampled were crazy staple hits too. So. Sure. To tweak that stuff, you know, we, we made sure that we've got the music down tight. So it's, it's got the same kind of sensibilities as a rock and roll show. It's, you know, it's high energy. It's all live music. There's no uh, backtracks or anything like that. And it's six people just going hard as we fucking can throughout the, the whole deal. Uh, it doesn't work well if the crowd's not involved. So we, we rely heavily on crowd participation. Oh, we'll be involved. Yes. And I mean, you, and I've seen you post some pictures of your hands. You beat the fuck out of those drums. That comes from not knowing how to play fucking drums. I'm sure (laughs) I don't, I never knew how to hold them right. So yeah, I look like a fucking, a leper by the end of the weekend. But one thing I didn't ask you, uh, who, who would you say, if someone asked you, who's your, who's your biggest musical influences? And you don't have to say the people that I love just to make me happy, but Mm -hmm. cause I want to know this. Honestly, who are your who are your greatest musical influences that you look to for inspiration that you love that uh, that make you want to be a better musician? Easily, the first one would be Prince. That's that's just an easy question. That's a when fucking it, home run answer. Oh yeah, right there, sir. I mean, when it just comes to uh, just as a musician, of course, you know, because everyone knows he was supremely talented. You know, he could play almost thirty instruments. And uh, are there thirty instruments? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fuck. I mean, what the fuck? I didn't even know there were thirty instruments. How many of them are bases? Right, but like, <laughs> but like, and that's someone that your grandmother loved, Absolutely. that I loved. I, I saw Prince. I was lucky enough to see him five times in concert. But and that's when we talked about growing growing up with the music that that I I uh, exposed you to. That's he was right there at the top of the list. So Prince, or who else? Hmm. That's very hard to say. I mean, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from Prince, right? That's that's really a primary Like Jack thing. White in the way you play guitar well, yeah. and some of the things. Jack, that... Jack White, that's sort of very riff-heavy rock. Um, right. It's it's just, not to harp on it too much, just Prince, you know, just as a person, as a musician, as a personality, just and, and how he was able to just constantly evolve throughout the... Uh, you know, Prince could do anything. Yeah, whatever he, whatever he, he could do it all. Because right? I mean, he started. You know, when he started out with his first albums, you know, they they were very of the time. You know, they were kind of seventy disco-y kind of funk stuff. And then you get to Purple Rain, and of course, it's it's just drenched in eighties. Changed and then, the damn world. Oh yeah, <laughs> but you know, 
yeah, change the entire world. And then it just he evolves from there. Then, you know, uh, you can probably pick back up at Musicology. And you saw him on tour for that. Sure. You know, how many times? Well, I, how many I, times have you seen him? He's usually like four five, or five. Five, you know, I remember I saw him in this, uh, one of the more interesting shows that we played at the Midland. It was an intimate show. He didn't do a whole lot of his hits. He's like a medley of some of his hits, but it was just the whole two hours, like, holy shit, I'm watching something that's just fucking incredible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so for people that haven't seen the accidental moguls, describe what they're going to see on, on the, at the Uptown the night before Thanksgiving. You know, like I said, it's kind of the same vibe as Dolawai. All we want is for people to have fun, you know, right? We want to have fun on stage, and that happens by people having fun in the audience. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a give and take. So we just want people to dance. We want them to have fun, enjoy themselves, uh, you know, forget about anything they've been going through. Just you know, have a good time. And it's like you said, it's, it's a night. And this was a St. Joe show that you did the night before Thanksgiving. And it, it, you kind of outgrew the room that you were in. Yeah. And so this has been kind of like a tradition in St. Joe that you're bringing to Kansas City. And hopefully a bunch of people from St. Joe are going to come down and be at the Uptown, right? Yeah, we've always done it with uh, some friends of ours, another band up there called Blue Oyster Culture Club. And they're fucking awesome. It's like if I tell people, it's like if uh, Metallica was doing Rick Springfield songs. You know, it's all heavy-ass guitar and 80s new wave shit. So... They're, they're great. That just Hopefully made me horny, can, by the it way. It did. Another, that, another so. music boner. Right, thank you. But yeah, ideally, we'll, we'll be bringing them down and getting them down here on some of these if this can take off and we do the, more of these in the future. But yeah, St. Joe just kind of outgrew it. It was getting to where these places we were playing the shows were these you know, fucking bingo halls, you know, these big-ass fucking places, and no one can get a drink. It takes you four hours to pee. You know, it was just kind of, it got to where it was, it was more trouble than it was worth. So we had to... To look for the, the progression, and this was uh, an opportunity that was kind of put in front of us, and I couldn't turn it down. So, Richie, to make the show a success, if Mike won't do it, would you be willing to shit in a trash can on stage at the Uptown Theater the night before Thanksgiving? I'll do anything for the art. This kid knows what to do to try to make his name in Kansas City. Uptown Theater, tell people again where to get tickets and everything we need to know. Ticketmaster. You can get tickets on Ticketmaster. I know that we've got a link posted to our Facebook. Uh, there'll be some more. I'm sure we'll be beating everybody over the head with the social medias. And, and how do you spell Dolawite for those out there that'll fuck it up? D-O-L-E-W-I-T-E. And the Accidental Moguls, you have a website, theaccidentalmoguls.com, right? Yes. yes. Okay. We also have a Facebook page. And so the night before Thanksgiving, come out. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the people from Sports Radio Way 10 are going to be there. And you get your tickets now so you don't have to wait because there will be a line. Because like you said, a lot of people just used to showing up at a bar going to see Dola White. Right. You get there, you don't want to wait in line out there. You want to get in there, get some samples from CD American Shaman, go get your drink on, get your nice buzz flowing, and get ready to. And let's be honest, Thanksgiving's great, but some of you have to deal with some family you don't want to deal with. So get your, get your mind right with Dola White and the Accidental Moguls the night before, right? Yes. Cannot wait to the night before Thanksgiving at the Uptown Theater. The Accidental Moguls with Richie St. John. Dola White led by uh, their fearless leader, Sumo. And, uh, and no shitting in trash cans, we don't think, unless we have to. My name's Stephen St. John. This has been Hot Mike with SSJ. The microphone is off. <laughs>